Hey guys, so this is the last episode of Melanated Faith, our last regular episode. You may see us in your feeds from time to time, but we thought we would end on a high note with some of our favorite moments from our top episodes. So you are going to hear a few clips from Can I Live, the episode where we discuss Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor. Um, living single when we talk about our life as um, single women. It's really, really a great episode. Check the source where we're talking to you about misinformation. Um, it was one of our uh, most listened episodes. And you know what? People could use a little check the source right now. So refresh, check the refresh. source and Enneagram and color. Y'all loved this talking about the Enneagram from our perspective as Black women. And then one of our most recent episodes episodes that I've heard some amazing feedback about, which is role models, where we talk about people who've been role models to us and how that has shaped our lives. And so you're going to hear clips from those. And we're just excited for you all to listen. I think that if it was a white family, that some white families would have had a much different response in terms of how they were reached out to how um, the police were held accountable and what that looked like and the action would have been more swift. And I think that is the issue and that is one of the main things that we are trying to call into accountability, how justice has not been for us, created for us, and the need for us to have to advocate for um, accountability and um, to be seen as human and visible in ways that those in the white community have not had to do. Said in the Washington Post when asked about Brianna, they're killing our sisters just like they're killing our brothers. But for whatever reason, we have not given our sisters the same attention that we have given Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, Stephon Clark, Terrence Kutcher, Alton Sterling, Flando Castile, Eric Garner, Laquan McDonald, etc., why do you think we do not give attention to the killings of Black women in the same way that we do Black men? Sometimes I can be losing hope for some of the people that I know or have grown up with because you know the minute that you're speaking out and you're talking about race and you're talking about racism, you are in a way going to be, you know, ostracized in some evangelical faith communities. And so you just kind of prepared for that. But to see people that are trying to lean into the conversation and that actually want to be uncomfortable, it's encouraging. But that's the thing. You're going to be uncomfortable. And it's not like a everybody gets a trophy kind of a thing. You know, thanks for running for a mod. Here's your trophy. You're not racist. Like, that's not it. You have to actually do the deep work because we all have internal biases that we have to address. And this is going to unearth some things and maybe you will find out that maybe you are racist and you didn't think that you were and now you need to repent and start this journey of you know reconciliation and bridge building in a deeper way and you need to evaluate what church you're going to and you need to evaluate what who your pastor is and so this idea that you could ever call out to god and say you know why is this happening i'm upset about this like we just we don't have a practice of that um and so I would say one thing I think encouragement I would give to white br bridge builders is try to develop that as a spiritual discipline of just like lamenting before rushing to like, let me be the savior. And I will also say relatedly, um, this has been generational work and the idea that you have this one idea that no one has thought about and you're going to rush in and fix this um, is also a function of like overestimating probably, you know, the term often used as white saviorism, right? Like 
um, is overestimating your own ability. So I would say creating space for that. Yeah, I would say the Bible says, lament with those who lament, mourn with those who mourn. And so yes. even if you don't understand it, the fact that we are in Christian community with each other, don't tell me you don't understand it. Just lament with me in this empathy Empathy. and I think also too like this idea of like gaslighting right like the idea that I a black person would not recognize racism or white supremacy when I've been having to negotiate it all my life and it might be something that is totally foreign to you um just because you're in the majority and this is how things are and so I think that is a little yeah it's gaslighting it's diminishing and then I heard this white pastor give a really great analogy about this like one time is like Think about it like in the context of like marriage or relationship. If your friend comes to you and says that they're upset about X, Y, and Z, do you think you're repairing the friendship or doing what's beneficial to your marriage by being like, I don't really think that happened the way you think it happened. And like, it's like, he and he gave the example. He's like, if I said that to my wife um, in an argument, what are some like absolute don'ts? Like for sure, do not say this <laughs> when things like this happen. Let's wait for the facts. Oh, are you sure? Are you sure? I mean, let's wait to see what the police have to say about it. Hey, don't worry. I'm praying for you. Um, you know, hopefully this is just kind of like a one-off situation. I've actually never heard of things like this happening before. Um, definitely have had somebody um, say something of that sort to me before, which I was like, huh. If you've been in a black church, I would say most black churches. They talk about it. They, they talk about it. They have resources for, you know, and so just again, like, I mean, are you really interested in that as a problem or an issue or a challenge and really working towards solutions for that? Or are you just interested in a talking point? And oftentimes what I find is you're interested in a talking point. You, again, are failing to recognize the humanity of black people. You're looking to pathologize us as some sort of criminal, irresponsible member of society who deserves. That's what I hear. You're saying like you, you as a black person lack the same morals as me as a white person. So likely you are at fault in this situation. also think there's like this additional level of scrutiny because I do think in ministry there is a preference for people to be married and so I think there's also this pressure of it's like when are you going to get married and like I don't know how be the bridges but in other Christian organizations it's like it's not just that I work with you it's like that I'm intimately involved in your personal life and so it's like do you have a boyfriend when was who are you going out with and it's like you can't get that same separation I think that you maybe get in my experience that I got in more like secular environments where it's like people do kind of respect that boundary and so I do feel like there's a pressure to be married and then it's like a double-edged sword there's like a pressure to be married and then you're penalized for not being married and your thought of is like you know oh like the whole like Billy Graham role thing of like you can't be alone with women that are not your wives and so um yeah this view of women as single women as some sort of threat to your ministry, I think makes it sometimes kind of difficult. I wanted to see the world and I started to travel and go all over. And the one thing I told myself, and I will tell all of you, is that I'm here and I'm enjoying this place and I can always come back with somebody that I deeply love, but I don't have to not go because 
I'm waiting on somebody. I want to see the world now. I love seeing the world and I'm going to, and I'm not going to let the fact that maybe I meet a guy and he hasn't traveled as much as me make me feel bad. Like, oh, well, great. You've seen everything. No, like there's more to see. You never see everything um, at one place in the first time. You have to go several times to continue to get like the full scope of things. So if you want to travel, do it. If you want your KitchenAid mixer, you know, go get it. Like, it's really easy to look at information without context. Like, I, you know, like we do this with the Bible all the time. Like, it's easy for us to, like, pull this verse out of context and say, like, look, I can justify anything I want to um, with this. But if you look at what it, the verse says, not only in the context of where it is in scripture, but like what it was saying to people in a particular time and place when the writer of that particular piece of scripture was writing, you know, it will probably say something different than you were expecting it to. So I do think that, you know, conspiracy theories, there is this desire, you are usually looking for truth, or there is like a kernel of information that is unexplainable. So you're looking for an explanation. And that's how conspiracy theories are born. And I will say from like a Christian kind of like perspective, this idea that there's some sort of secret knowledge that can be gained if you just search or there's like a separate way of knowing um you know in the early church there was like a specific heresy associated with that because the thing is like there's no need um sort of for christians like there's no need for any kind of secret knowledge like it is you know revealed um in scripture and through the holy spirit and i do think like we all do like the holy also trusting the holy spirit to work and help you discern um, information, but also I think getting comfortable, I think a thing that would really help a lot of us is getting comfortable with like not knowing. I think that culture and our racialized experiences, our cultural values, our context actually shapes a lot of how we interact with the world mm. in a way that if they're not careful, if they say like an eight, you know, is courageous and they don't really care what people think about them, they just speak what's on their mind. That's actually not correct at all for Latina eights. We very much care about what you're, what you think of us and, and the kind of environment we're creating. It's, it's just that their reference point is typically, if I can be clear, a white male. Mm -hmm. So when I look at the, the descriptions of Enneagram eights and just about any book that I read, to be honest with you, I think it favors the experience of a white male eight. So as far as tests, I would say don't take the test. <laughs> Don't take the test. Don't take it. Um, I just told a young black woman who I was talking to just before this. I'm like, you know, already like I'm going against everything my spiritual director told me by encouraging you to engage this before you're 30. So the 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 school that I was raised in, basically in the Enneagram, was that your type is most accentuated and highlighted when you hit your darkness. I am so proud of women of color that are coming in the generation after me for doing that. Because I have to tell you, I've talked to women who are my peers in their 40s. We were like the first and the only in most spaces that we went to. And they took it, those spaces took advantage of our energy. You know, like it wasn't like it was celebrated, it was actually 
it was, I mean, we were taken advantage of, I think. Like, it was like, wow, they can do this. They can do this. They can handle this. They can take this on. And so I, I told someone the other day, it's like very much identify with the song from Encanto, from Disney's Encanto that yes. Lisa does. You know, it's like, it's like pressure, you know, that drip, yeah. drip, drip. You know, like, I feel that so much that I'm holding all these things and that, that I was really not cared for. Like sisterhood is so important and they taught me in their own ways in different phases of my life, how to be myself, how to pursue my dreams, how not to be afraid of the fact that I was a leader, how to believe in myself, how to manage money. I learned from them. Don't feel like you have to get everything from like one mentor. So like you can have different, you know, people do different things because I and for different reasons and seasons. And I would say, uh, yeah, like don't close yourself off to like people who could be mentors just because they're like, don't have like this ideal, you know, I don't know. Like, cause I feel like to me, like as like a, you know, like you want, for example, like, okay, I want to mentor in my like professional career, mm-hmm. which is great. But there might be like some, a woman who was a stay at home mom, you know, and has raised four children that would just be, Maybe she can't tell you like, oh, you need to go to this meeting or door- join this organization. But for who you are as a woman and your character, it's just like a great fit. Thanks for listening, everyone, to some of our top episodes and for going down memory lane with us. To be honest with you, wrapping this up and ending this on a high note is kind of hard, but I think it's so beautiful. So if people tell you that you should only think about the beginnings, as Catherine was saying, the endings matter too. And we've been talking a lot about ending well and ending with um, a high note and with peace and with gratefulness in our hearts. So thank you for joining us. Yes, this is an ending. It is not a goodbye. We will remain with you. So if you have a favorite episode, you can go back and listen and find it and still share. We just wanted to share a few moments from our top episodes. Thank you guys so much. We love you. See you later.